Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Luxury Weekly. I'm reviewing 10 important news shaping the luxury industry for the week of January 18, 2021. 1. Richmond released their third fiscal quarter results covering October to December 2020 and they posted a modest recovery with sales rising 5% at constant exchange rate or 4.2 billion euros over the same period a year ago. These results really helped improve the year-to-date performance, where sales are now down by only 14% in the nine months of 2020, as opposed to being down 38% in the first six months. Okay, by now, you know what I'm going to say, right? This growth came from a robust demand in Asia, but surprisingly, it also came from the Middle East and Africa. If we look at performance by region, Asia-Pacific grew by 25%, driven by China, of course, where demand grew by 80%, and Taiwan, where it grew by 29%. The Middle East region received a boost thanks to tourist spending in Dubai as flights resumed and domestic spending as well in Saudi Arabia. Sales in Americas rose by 3% and 1% in Japan, whereas sales in Europe declined by 20%. In terms of channels, online grew by 17% and is comprised of watch finders and Yuke's net-a-porter. Wholesale revenues declined by 8%, whereas retail sales increased by 8%. This performance in retail was mainly driven by the jewelry division. If we look at product categories, sales in the jewelry maison rose by 14%, whereas watch brand sales declined by 4%. 2. Burberry also reported their third fiscal quarter results covering October to December 2020, and despite strong sales in China and Korea, Global sales declined by 5% to reach $937 million. Comp sales were down 9%. If we look at the regional performance, Asia-Pacific rose by 11%, while sales in EMEA declined by 37%, and the Americas declined by 8%. Online sales grew by more than half in the third quarter, with a triple-digit rise in mainland China, but the continuing impact of store closures is dragging the overall performance down. Burberry reported that 15% of their stores were closed and 36% were operating with reduced hours. A set of measures has been implemented to lower the impact of COVID, such as cost savings, gross margin improvement, and also inventory reduction. Burberry also focused on selling full-price items and launching new products meant to attract a younger audience. A bright spot is the potential for growth in digital channels, as well as the opening of new store concepts, especially in China, combining a strong social component to their physical locations. 3. French designer Albert Elbaz officially returned to the industry with a highly anticipated launch this week of his new venture called AZ Factory. If you remember, this new company was announced last year as a joint venture with Richmond. The industry has been eager to see what that new brand would look like, and the wait is over. Elbaz describes it as a digital luxury brand based on innovation, technology, and above all, a place to experiment and try new ideas. The launch is really innovative as products will be presented this week through a film format released during Paris Haute Couture Fashion Week. The brand will then launch on its own e-commerce website, but also globally through exclusive partnerships with Farfetch and Net-A-Porter. The launch will feature distinct interactive and entertaining experiences on each one of these pure players' platforms. On Farfetch, the initiative is called AZ Factory World Tour, 
and it consists in an immersive experience where shoppers will be able to virtually tour the AZ factory, explore the products in 3D, and virtually try them on using far-fetched own augmented reality technology. Then, Nentaporte will host a live talk show with Elbaz and France on their Insta and YouTube channels. 4. In China, Hermes quietly opened an online store on Alibaba's platform Tmall. The product assortment is currently limited to perfumes, with 66 products from its perfume, bath and body, as well as gift boxes product range. The brand has not communicated on its future plans regarding product extensions. So far, Hermes Digital Distribution in China consists of its own website as well as WeChat mini program offering the full product range. An interesting fact is that Hermes registered their Tmall store on March 30 of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, which shows it had plans to expand its digital footprint in China for months. It also gives a good idea of the timeline required to launch on Tmall, even though Tmall announced this week that it was launching a new feature and a new service to help brands launch their store within 30 days. 5. Still in China, the local cosmetics regulatory agency introduced a fundamental exemption this week, which might be a game-changer for the beauty industry. The measure allows certain products to enter China without undergoing animal testing on arrival. So far, the products covered by this exemption are classified as ordinary cosmetics and include fragrance, mascara, and shampoo. France has become the first European country to qualify for these exemptions. There is now actually a dedicated platform in France which allows manufacturers to get the necessary documents and certifications. Other European countries are now racing to take advantage of this new rule. So why is it important? So far, China has always requested animal testing before a brand could physically store and sell products in mainland China. Cruelty-free brands found a way around that thanks to cross-border e-commerce. By joining platforms like Tmall Global or WeChat Mini Programs or Little Red Book, to just name a few, brands could sell directly to end consumers located in mainland China and ship directly from warehouses located in Hong Kong, for example, or other regions which didn't require animal testing. There has been speculation for a while now that the Chinese government would remove the need for animal testing and thus open up its market to an entire wave of cruelty-free cosmetic brands. This is the first step towards that, and I'm very curious to see what the next steps will be. Six, finally, to close the China chapter, ByteDance, which owns TikTok, is rolling out a payment service to Douyin, which is the Chinese version of TikTok. Through this service, users will be able to connect their bank accounts and pay to buy products or tip creators without leaving the app. This is a very interesting move because everybody has been speculating about when and how TikTok will be able to really go into e-commerce. And it's the first step towards making commerce a more seamless and integrated experience. I'm curious to see what the development will be and if it's going to be applied at some point to the Western TikTok. 7. And then I wanted to highlight a couple of innovative products. The first one came from Judith Lieber, which launched this week a customized fragrance called More is More. The bottle has a very unique shape, which holds three separate scents. Each fragrance can be sprayed individually, but also mixed with one or two others for a unique and personalized experience. 8. Another cool product innovation came from Pomelato. The Italian jeweler launched a collection inspired by the Japanese art of Kintsugi, 
This ancestral technique consists of repairing broken objects by using melted gold as the glue between each piece, thus elevating and celebrating the fracture line as opposed to trying to hide it. In the case of Pomelato, I think it's a very elegant effort to upcycle their broken stones and give them a new life. They are using gold paint to mark the separation line and it creates really beautiful jewelry. 9. Last week I mentioned the upcoming IPO of My Theresa. Well, it happened this week and it was much more successful than expected. They listed on the New York Stock Exchange this week and they raised 407 million, which valued the company at 2.2 billion dollars. Founded in Germany in 2006, the luxury marketplace sells more than 250 brands in 140 countries. The money raised will be used to basically pay down the debt of Neiman Marcus, but also expand internationally. Executives from MyTheresa anticipate that sales can rise up to 25% in the year ahead. However, one thing to keep in mind is that MyTheresa.com actually owns the inventory of all their brands, which burdens their balance sheet and could put them at risk if anything goes wrong. 10. Finally, a cool concept to finish the week coming from Nike. The sneakers brand opened its fourth small format store called Nike Live. After New York, Tokyo, and Los Angeles, this store is located in Eugene, Oregon, which is the birthplace of Nike. The concept revolves around catering the assortment and services to the local community, as opposed to having a more standardized approach to merchandising, events, and community engagement. The essence of these stores is also to be heavily digital, with popular features such as boppies, buy online, pick up in stores, or curbside pickup. But they also have some vending machines which can be unlocked through the app to get access to free gifts. And clients can also connect directly to store associates through the app. Nike had announced a few years ago that it was moving from a wholesale model to a DTC one through its own stores and digital experiences. Nike has plans to open 200 stores in this new format. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please leave me some reviews on Apple Podcasts and see you next week.